Rock on. Rock Salt Musecast Experience. With Aaron, Dave, Patrick, and Jermaine. On a mission from God. You guys rock. Mm-hmm. Well, me and the Lord, we got an understanding. What's that understanding? We're on a mission from God. Yeah, man, on a mission from God. It's Aaron Dave, Patrick, and Jermaine today on the Rock Salt Musecast Experience. We're putting the band back together. Again. <laughs> We're on a mission from God. And the guest this week, Aaron. Matt, me and Elwood. Band back together. Ma'am, you gotta understand that this is a lot bigger than any domestic problems you might be experiencing. Would it make you feel any better if you knew that what we're asking Matthew to do is a holy thing? You see, we're on a mission from God. Darth Plummer! <laughs> First you trade the Cadillac for a microphone. Then you lie to me about the band. Now you're gonna put me right back in the joint. They're not gonna catch us. We're on a mission from God. Yeah, it's Darth Plummer, Dorn Reppert. He's a concert promoter, a little on the different side for us this time. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. And we're going to talk to uh, Jermaine here from Tricord about his new release as well. Some mysterious ways. Yep. Strike up the band, Sal. Oh, there it went. <laughs> I, I'm kind of glad it went. I wasn't sure yeah, you saw my hand just kind of hover over it. I know. So, <laughs> brand new board, brand new mics, brand yeah. new everything. So right. I'm like learning as I go along. Brand new excuses. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> too. Yeah, and we have a brand new song. A brand new song from our uh, good friend Jermaine. Yes. The Sexy Beast. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, I was expecting him to say something, but, yeah. you know, he yeah. has Yeah. But that's okay. We got yeah. Patrick Rivers on the line. We got the Sexy Beast Jermaine from yes. Tricord. Hey, Jermaine. Yeah, my bad. My oh, it's okay. That's all right. Hey. Okay, then. Yeah, what's, it, what, <laughs> what's the song called, Jermaine? We're going to play. Untitled. Untitled. When, when I think, what's it really I, called? Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> no, what's it really called? Yeah, you know, it's sort of like that, like that old bit. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's a who's on first base. Sort yeah, of who's on first base? <laughs> I'm gonna. Bail. What's on second? I'm gonna bail out of uh, uh, Sal here early because okay. I want to talk to uh, uh, Jermaine about Untitled. It's your new track. Uh, yeah. It's out, right? It's on Spotify. I think that's where I listen to it. Yeah, it's on all streaming platforms. It's on all the streamers. Uh, Man, give... we even got it on Snapchat, bro. What's that? We got it on Snapchat and everything. Oh, well, I'm I'm far too old for Snapchat. <laughs> I'm too married for Snapchat. <laughs> and that's you. <laughs> I never got into the, I I Honestly, I've never even downloaded that app. I never saw the point in it. Um, not that, and I don't want you know it, videos or things of me out of my control. <laughs> you know, we put these up on YouTube. We can pull them down too. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a Snapchat fan. 
No. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just up on Snapchat. So what's Untitled about? So Untitled, I would say, is a journey. It's a story. Um, how the name came to be. So we started writing this song probably a little over a year ago. And we literally wrote the whole entire song in one practice. And we didn't know what to name it. I knew it had to be like a one-word name, but we couldn't figure out what we wanted to call it for nothing. And so I was like, dude, we're just going to call it Untitled until we come up with a name. So I was uh, at work, you know, peeking over fences and stuff. And my worker, I was talking to one of my brothers, and we were talking about the song, and we were talking about, we don't, I was telling him, I don't know what we're going to name the song. And my worker was like, hey, I got to talking about some stuff about, you know, like the testimony behind the song, how uh, the story of the song, and how it's telling the perspectives of two different, uh, of different people and from verse to verse and how their life was before that they came to the Lord and stuff like that. And he was like, hey, you know, Untitled's kind of catchy, man. And he's like, that's kind of like what you're always pouring into me and teaching me is before Jesus, we have all kinds of titles that the world gives us that don't matter. But when we come to Jesus, uh, we, we then gain our titles and stuff. And I was like, oh, shoot, <laughs> it's going to be called Untitled. All comes so, together, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It it comes all the un- all together like that, man. So it's untitled because before Jesus, the world gives us all these titles and these names and things that we can go by, but that don't matter to God whatsoever. But when we come to Christ, then we gain the titles and the identity of Christ. So it's called untitled. Well, awesome. And uh, we've got the exclusive premiere, right? Yes, sir. You are the man. I I was waiting. I wasn't sure because I wasn't sure <laughs> if we had the exclusive on it, but apparently we do. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all right. Well, let's just kick it off, man. Check it out. It's Tricord Untitled on the Roxell Musecast Experience. <laughs>
Off newscast experience. Hey, Dave Patrick, Jermaine. Woo-hoo. Yeah, you're getting nothing out of me. Pee in the house. <laughs> in the house. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, we got a very special guest. Thanks to our our good friend Patrick Rivers here. Darth Plumber's on. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thank you. All right, your name's not Darth Plummer. I get it. What- um, actually, Darth Plummer stands for Dorn Andrew Reppert the Plumber. I had mm. no idea. I I wow. was going for Star Wars. I thought you were just a big yeah, Star I, Wars fan. I I had actually when I came up with that, I didn't even think about Star Wars, and I've seen Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, but it never. I, I never put it together. My oldest son came to me and said, dad, that is really a good handle for the internet. I'm like, what? Darth Plummer, man, Darth Plummer, Star Wars. And I went, hey, you didn't know I was a Sith warrior. Dude, I would, I would yeah, exactly. I, I would totally get uh, a, uh, a Darth Vader holding a, a plunger with a tool belt, you know, pulling his pants down, not down down but you know what i mean no no yeah yes plumber's crack plumber's yes. crack. yeah yeah i i, I actually, think that's a great logo yeah um actually somebody did that they took darth plumber or took took darth vader and put a plunger in his hand as a lightsaber so <laughs> it's a light funny. plunger yeah light plunger a light but plunger. You, you need to use um rick moranis from space balls that <laughs> oh. that'd be the, the one <laughs> I'm a big Rick Moranis fan, by the way. Who I, isn't really? Yeah, he he is. He's just incredible. I mean, Second City TV, all that, 
way back, way back. Oh, I've got the SCTV on DVD. I, yeah. I tap into that every once in a while because it's just pure yeah. gold. Well, some of the greatest comedians came out of that, actually. Uh, Absolutely. John I mean, Candy. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, just about everybody that was in that cast went on to be a huge celebrity. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rick Moranis, uh, Dave Thomas, his Dave celebrity. Thomas. He, he's he's a celebrity, but a lot of people don't realize who he is. Um, well, he's he's actually done a lot of stuff. It's like you run across him every now and then in a movie. You're not even expected to see him in. Right. So. I mostly run into him at Wendy's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just say it. Just say it. Oh, different, oh yeah. Dude. Okay. Yeah. I got that. I got that. Um, hey, Strange Brew. Strange Brew is still a funny movie. But I, I have McKenzie it. Here. I have it on VHS. I have it on disc. Uh, that's, uh, it's that's a great it's a funny movie. movie. Yes. It's so funny. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd kiss you if I didn't have puke breath. <laughs> hey, we found a, a mouse in his beer bottle. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to give us like free beer because it's like law or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 That is an awesome movie. Uh, yeah, I, I have to throw this out there real fast because it's just a piece of my history. Uh, my friend and I, we used to really be into that movie. And so we, when we were kids, we would run around town, you know, and we're always getting in trouble with the police and stuff like that. And not in a bad way, just like mischievous kids. And uh, whoever was dealing with the cop, the other one would go, Hey, officer, he's drunk, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, Darth Plummer, you are – help me understand this. You're re-kicking this thing off? You did this sort of thing before, or is yeah. this all brand new? Okay, I'll give you a really quick rundown. Um, I started promoting concerts back in, uh, I think it was 1982, and uh, started off with the, the standards of the day. You know, it's like not necessarily hard music. But uh, Rick Kua, or not Rick Kua, Phil Kagey, uh, Randy Matthews, um, people like that, uh, which I really liked. I mean, I was into that. It, it was rock big, to me at the time. Those were the big names of the day. Uh, they they had, were. Uh, like Kerry Lipgren and, and yep. uh, Phil Kagey. And uh, yep. I'm trying to think of the other dude, Keith Green. Yeah. I actually, actually really didn't get into Keith Green until after he passed away. After yeah. he died is when I got into Keith Green. Um, but I started, I started off my career, um, promoting concerts with a Petra concert and nice. this was never say die. And they were just ready to break away from doing small venues. Um, and, uh, that's when they became really big right after that. And so the first show I did was, uh, Petra and packed the place out thought I had a great career in promotions, went on for 11 years, lost my shirt, never broke even on a show. But one thing I did, one thing I can say is no band ever left town without getting paid. Yeah, that's that's a big deal too. Yeah, and the irony of it is back in the 80s, I paid bands as high as $4,000 a show. That's big money back then. That that was huge money back then. Today, to have the same buying power, you'd have to actually be uh, guaranteeing sixty thousand dollars, and that's that's no exaggeration. That, yeah, everything well, and, dub, everything doubles every ten years. So if you take that four grand and come up to, to, to today, 
it's yeah. going to be sixty, seventy thousand dollars. Yeah, I keep trying to get uh, Rivers to come out here for like fifty bucks, but he just oh. won't do it. Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> that's uh, that's what started Darth Plummer Artist Management back. That that's what brought it back was the fact that I'm talking to so many excellent bands, and they're going across country to play for five hundred dollars. Yeah, and that is that is. <laughs> I don't even have a, I don't have a word for it. It, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it. it blows my mind. And what really gets me are the promoters that think the band should be playing for that. And it, it's just not right. We, are, we they love... live <laughs> are they called Live Nation? What's that? <laughs> are they called Live Nation? Yeah, well, <laughs> I just had you I know. just had a discussion with somebody uh, last weekend or yeah last weekend. Uh, I was out in Oklahoma and I had a discussion with a gentleman there that's doing a show. And I told him, I said, if you can't afford to pay the band what they're worth, don't do it. And there are ways out there to raise the money. Um, we paid bands before they played and none of it came out of my pocket. Um, one particular band came to town and they hadn't been paid in three weeks. Uh, they were stiffed at every show they did. And the last wow. one they went to before us uh, the show was canceled before they even got to town. They and then they never told them, never let uh. them know. So they drove into town. They got uh, got to the venue. The show was canceled. They came to us and they were in desperation mode at that point because the families hadn't eaten in a long time. Yeah. And I walked up. I, I went to the uh, hotel where they were. I went up. The lead guitarist was out on the the balcony witnessing to some kid that had was walking by and uh i'm standing there listening to it and when he got done he asked who i was uh, <laughs> there he is right there the other phone <laughs> he's telling me don't tell that story anyway uh, you tell that story again <laughs> couldn't be him he usually calls me at two o'clock in the morning when he calls so <laughs> Anyway, I introduced myself, told him who I was. And just like that, the door opened up to one of the rooms and this lady stepped out and uh, the lead guitarist, I, I can't, I'm not using names. The lead guitarist said, this is Dorn, the promoter. And she said, how many pre-sales? And I said, I really don't know. She said, what do you mean you don't know? The show's tomorrow night. You, you don't know how many? I said, I don't pay attention to that kind of thing. And she said, we haven't been paid in three weeks and was told about the show being canceled. She said, we, we don't even have money left for food. And I said, uh, well, my wife takes care of the ticket sales. And I said, I didn't really check with her how many pre-sales we have. I said, but would you, how would you prefer to be paid? Would you like to have a check or cash? And she said, oh, this is really funny. I said, no, I'm not being funny. What, how, what would you prefer? I said, now my, me personally, I would take the cash because if I give you a check, it has to clear. So you're not going to have money for your immediate needs. I said, so how about cash? And she said, you're serious. And I, so I reached in my pocket and I pulled out the money and I handed it to her and she broke down in tears and cried. And it, uh, it had a marked effect on me. Wow. That's how bad it was. That's how desperate they were. And that's what got me really into the music business, which the, I promoted for 11 years. Like I said, 
we lost our shirts on every show. I, I sold a car for the second show we did. After wow. Petra, wow. we totally bombed. And I had this beautiful red Z28 bracket car that I raced on weekends. And I sold it to pay for the show. Wow. Because we tanked. And I believe it was a test. Because for the rest of the 11-year period, we never broke even, but we never took money out of our pocket again. God provided every show that the band got paid exactly what they, what, they, what they were guaranteed. And some of them, before they left town, we'd give every member of the band a $100 bill, which a $100 bill was better than that 500 bucks you get now for driving halfway across the country or right. whatever to do a show. Right. And we did that, but God provided it. And we got to the point where the local car dealerships would sponsor the shows. That's what I tell people now. You don't have to ask these bands to play for free. There are people that will sponsor shows. Right. They'll, they'll sponsor. I recommend that everybody gets uh, uh, files for a 501c3 so that they can then take donations and give the people a write-off because they really like that when they can write off whatever they're giving. So anyway, that's, uh, I had, I promoted, we quit promoting and started a record company because we wanted to be the only honest record company there was in the world. And uh, we did that for about seven years, six or seven years. We had a couple really good albums. We had six bands or six or seven bands on our roster. Um, we did that for a while. And then later, some things started happening that really soured me toward the Christian music industry. And I totally dropped out. I quit. It was about, uh, I'd say, 1992, I quit. And uh, didn't do anything until my two youngest sons had a band, started a band, and they asked me to work with them. I fought them off for a little while. The, one of the biggest reasons was because they were terrible. <laughs> I, I, went to hear, I went to one of their practice sessions and I said, boys, I said, I, I promised myself I would always be honest with bands that I would tell them the truth. I wouldn't say you're good, just make them feel good. Thank you, and Jesus. Uh, I said, so therefore save yourself some really traumatic determinations from your father don't don't ask me to do this well they asked me what i would what they should do to change and i wrote them a list and it was about two weeks later they came and asked me to listen to them again and they had taken the list and done everything i told them to do and they sounded great sometimes and, it just needs a little direction yeah absolutely hey, hey, hey doran would you mind sending me a list for me and my boys <laughs> maybe in two weeks we'll be good too yeah. Do you have enough? Do you have enough time? Uh, yeah. Um, you have self George say you do the same thing. It Dorn, it's really interesting that you mentioned '92 because I was huge into Christian music in the '80s. I mean, there wasn't a tape that I didn't listen to. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of fell out of it in the later '80s. I'm talking like '88, '89 that era. Um, tried to jump back in in the early night, early to mid nineties, and just found a whole lot of garbage out there. Oh yeah. And then I found it really interesting. Uh, this is definitely a God thing because the timing was just there. Uh, COVID, and 
we started this show and we tapped in to whatever it is you guys got going on in the south and the east over there because there are a ton of great bands oh yeah and it's like well where'd you all come from i mean we had the 80s which uh, look uh, i'm not gonna church it up i am a big fan of steve taylor's meltdown it's not a great album yeah <laughs> i mean by today's standards it's not a great album i love catchy it. i, I love it. it and all that but it, it it just wouldn't it wouldn't crack today right yeah yeah um and then uh, so i love the music of the 80s and in the 90s i was like oh there's gotti hook or uh the, the whole tooth and nail thing that was about the only thing that i was attracted to i listened to some hoi polloi and i i really wanted to love hoi polloi but i only liked like one song and i was like ah, <laughs> just what's going on here and then uh then it seemed like it went dormant for a while everybody yeah. just put it, their gear away and went ah, it's over we're not gonna do it anymore and then right around COVID, boom it exploded again yeah yeah i think it's because people were locked in their homes and didn't have anything better to do so they started thinking about that uh yeah, start, yeah. Uh, this i have to show you this excuse me a second okay so my record company's claim to fame was this zion i i seen Z i haven't heard zion i've seen zion though well if you message me if you if you message your address i'll send you one awesome i've got i've got a bunch of them because the one thing one thing that COVID hurt was this thing was selling worldwide like we couldn't keep it and just like that when COVID hit it stopped all right i don't yeah, know why it's... but it just stopped yeah, but uh, just, I, I have I have one with your name on it if you send me your address. Absolutely. Uh, I'll give it to you when, when we're off here. Um, one, thing, one thing that a lot of people don't know is uh, that project, now it was under a different, uh, had a different cover on it at the time. And uh, it wasn't quite as hard as I would have liked it to be because uh, David Zafiro produced it. He was a, good, a master at producing guitar. But he had everything too sweet. Um, it, it just it, too much highs. There wasn't enough lows and way, way too little mids. So we re, we re, uh, remixed it, remastered it, re-released it in ninety in uh, two thousand nineteen. So anyway, right right about the the time that uh, COVID hit. But anyway, um, this album charted five songs wow. over from from two uh was it uh, 1989 through 1991 it charted five songs uh, a, a number two a number four i believe a number five a nine whatever it, it charted five songs pretty sure they were all in the top 10 and That's a strong uh, album yeah, the that first re first release, the first release was the song Is It a Crime? I played it for a DJ here in my area, well in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. I played it for him and on a cassette that I brought back from the studio with me and he said, "I have to play this. I have to play this." And so I left him play it and just like that it just went boom up the charts. Um Word Records licensed it from us and put it on there. They had a sampler album called the uh, 12 New Faces. 
And of all the songs on it, this was the hit. This this was the hit. Um, the the big thing here is, and I'll say I apologize to John and Dino because we got into a really bad <laughs> a breakdown of friendship and everything because oh, too bad. I took I took one of their ads where they said they were gonna have the first Christian metal single, and I took it and I redid it used their ad but i redid it to say that zion was going to have the first metal single <laughs> and i i got a call one night and said if i did it we'd they'd never work with me again and then uh daryl harris at star song goaded me into doing it especially since they told me not to and so i did it <laughs> and zion captured the first number one metal single on the ccm charts wow, so good for them yeah. So anyway, that uh, that was my hit in the record business. Um, CBS Sony made overtures to buy us out. And I had the band in the studio recording their second project and they broke up and CBS Sony dumped us. Oh, uh, we bad. were going to become their Christian label and I was going to be a vice president. And just like that, boom, it was over. So and that's, own, that was one of the first things that really started to sour things for me. It's like you invest so much time. And then, and, and I'm great friends with all the guys from Zion to this day. Um, I've worked with Rex Scott, um, actually released the last X Center album that they did on our label. And uh, anyway, I'm still good friends with them, but that was one of the things I kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back yeah. when things are, are going so good and you invest so much time and then it just explodes. It's over. So and, I always say that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, it's to take you to the next level. So what was, what was the silver lining to that dark cloud? <laughs> That's a tough question. Um, the, the, uh, the silver lining for my wife was I quit. That was, that was the silver lining. Um, <laughs> but nothing bigger and better came out of all that where you look back and you go, you know what? I, I thought that was what I really wanted, but, uh, you know, this came along and I'm much happier doing this. Well, here's, here's, here's what happened. Um, my neighbor started a building project. He put a, an, an, an addition on his house. And I had had a lot of experience with uh, contracting and, and the likes. And uh, instead of going into my office, I started going out back and helping him with the addition. And the contracting business grew and grew and grew. Um, I'm, I, I have a mechanical engineering degree from Penn State. So I'm, wow. I'm structural design. I know how to uh, design trusses and all kinds of things for building and, and that. And uh, I started getting back into it as, as a way to get out of the office. Mm. And that business grew, turned into building houses and, and doing all kinds of things, which served myself and my family very well for the next 20 some years, 30 years, whatever. And uh, it wasn't until my sons came and got me back into music. That was in 2005. And um, working with them sparked something. 
and right. it really it really got me and uh, i started playing around with it not not seriously but just working with their band being their roadie yeah. <laughs> being you know hauling the stuff around in my work van and and uh, this and that so anyway um i I don't know what the silver lining was other than I just needed to take some time. And it was a lot, it was a lot of time and it did make for a lot better relationship with the family because I wasn't so tied up. I was traveling all the time. Um, well, by the looks of it, what I've seen, you're, you've been traveling a lot as of late, Dorn. <laughs> I mean, you have been, you've yeah. been traversing the countryside looking for venues yeah. for your roster to play on. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm actually, let me check my door to make so it's sure it's closed so that my wife doesn't hear. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This might okay. get good. <laughs> no, she, my wife has actually been very, very, very good about this. Um, I, uh, uh, Rex, Rex Carroll had gotten in contact with me as a result. I, I went to see him, them and Blood Good play. Uh, White Cross and Blood Good play in Ohio in uh, February of last year. And just meeting the, the guys again, sitting and talking to them, breaking bread and remembering stories and all those things. I spent a lot of time out there with Blood Good. And uh, I, I brought them to the East Coast. I think it might have been their first show. White Cross had never played outside of Illinois before I did their show. Um, I had uh, Bride before it was Bride. They weren't signed. I had Believer before they were before they were signed, and so many bands that I I brought out just to try to get the heavier music out to the East Coast. And anyway, when that that happened out in in Ohio, I I went to see them, and it really got me going. And then especially spending time with Rex, and uh, Rex started asking me to manage the band and. I kept saying no, because at that point, I didn't think my wife would really like it at all. And I said, the she, when I said I don't, I didn't care about the pre-sales, my wife, she bore the weight. Mm -hmm. She knew how many sales happened. She knew where we were heading. She was the one with the, at the ticket window, she was the one with the cash box that was not full enough and, and this and that. And I was afraid that, uh, honestly, I was afraid she'd walk out. I, I know she wouldn't, but th- there was that fear. But I kept telling Rex that. And then Rex sicked uh, Susan Smith on me, who is like their personal assistant. And uh, she started calling me and saying, you really need to work with these guys. And then, then uh, September happened and uh, getting together with all those other bands that were at a mortal festival just it it put me over the edge <clears throat> when i came home i called rex up and i said okay i'll do it and it just the number of bands i i honestly didn't think anybody even remembered who i was <laughs> yeah i know and, how that uh, could be and and uh, richard lynch from saint called me or or well he sent me a sent me an email or a message the day after i i put up about handling booking for white cross exclusively he sent me a thing and I, it said uh okay white cross what about us guys and so then we had a real long phone call and i decided to do something with them and then larry Worley from fear not called and decided to do something with them and then within a month and a half i had 14 bands 
and uh, that's how I met Patrick. Um, I really, really, really I regret the day you met him, huh? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just like me. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I really liked the band when I heard him, and uh, uh, there's a lot, and it, it's, it's kind of overwhelming at times. This past, the well. I did 48 hours on the road in, in seven days. And uh, most of that was in a two day period and then a two day period coming back. Wow. And uh, the one thing that it did help though, Pat, I wasn't, I wasn't exclusively looking for venues. I got to Ohio, Ac Akron, Ohio, and realized I was a third of the way to my youngest son's house. And I had a new granddaughter that was born March 1st. And I called my wife up and I said, I'm a third of the way to Justin's. I said, I think I'm just going to keep going and go see that baby. And she said, well, you've got nothing to come home for. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, I called Dave Cruz because he had just moved. He was within, uh, I'd say, 20 minutes of my son's house. So I called him up and said, hey, bud, I'm coming out to see you. I told you I'd be out there sooner or later. So we got together. And then he said, well, are you coming for the, the show in uh, Tulsa? And I said, I forgot all about that. Yes, I guess I am. So I went on to that. But uh, anyway, I do spend a lot of time on the road, a lot of time on the road. Um, some real promising, real promising venues. Uh, a lot of churches, which they're coming from out of nowhere. And it's just a matter of time. And I said that this just recently on an interview, it's going to explode. There are yeah. people that are very, very interested in doing Christian metal shows as outreach. And a lot of the churches are working on um, doing it as a home missions project and funding the shows out of their home missions budget, which I think is incredible. I, I think it's great. That is, that is, that is amazing news. Yeah. Let's and, take a uh, let's take a quick break here. Okay. And uh, uh, come back. I want to uh, talk to you about some of your bands, and uh, we'll we'll wrap up too. All right. All right. It's the Rock Solid Musecast experience. Hey, this is Steve from the Word sixty six, and you are hanging out with the dynamic duo David Aaron on Rock Salt Radio. And finally, Mo Michael Googly, Googlio Moochie, the former lead singer of Hill Hillsong. No, you can't go past this one right now because look at the last name. <laughs> you know, we need not mention it because he's got mob ties, bro. Oh, the mafia is not real. Yeah. This is Sopranos right. stuff, bro. Sopranos. <laughs> We're looking at Ray Liotta showing up at your door. Um, tell us how. What's up? Come on, we got good fellas going hey, on. Were here. you uh, Were you aware that the formerly who's there? Yeah. Oh, it's uh, Michael Corleone. <laughs> no, we're good. Yeah, we're good. And, and, why is all the rum gone? <laughs> Aaron, you uh, you're familiar with Hillsong. Did were you aware of this story? No. Okay, I I don't know this story either. And uh, once again, Hillsong, uh, uh, maybe in their day, but not not nowadays. Not a player. Uh, can you imagine lying about oh dying of cancer and taking people's money and then using the money for porn? Who's that guy? He's the lead singer of Hillsong. We looked down on him. What? We thought he was scum. 
To other news now, and disgraced pastor Michael Gugliamucci remains in hiding under medical advice as more details of his lies and deceit emerge. The 28-year-old claimed he had cancer to mask his secret life of sin That's... in an addiction to pornography. I'm not big into uh, the worship bands and all that. I just never have. You know, there's... there's uh, the Christian Our, music industry continues to generate more than 100 million a year. No, let, let Aaron finish. I, I will. Hang on. Yeah, I just wanted. Ahead. I wanted to finish this video because no, it's at the pause, end. Pause, pause. It's at the end. Hang on. I'm just gonna click random stuff. Uh, anyways, what are we sure gonna say, good. Aaron? Well, I'm gonna say I, I. There's our Golden One Center, which is our NBA arena here, um, is having uh, Phil Wickman and Brandon Lake come in town, and. People from the church is like, "Are you going?" I'm not. I'm. I'm just not big into, you know, going to worship nights. You know, especially pain when I can go to church. You know, for free. Not. You know, well, <laughs> I mean, again, I, I I tithe and all that, but yes, a and I I love our music pastor too. But I'm not saying anything negative. Uh, that's these people. You know, I remember going to worship together with uh, Third Day and Michael Davis Smith. And they had a couple of worship albums out, and they were doing that. And now, it was a great night of worship and hearing them play their songs. And they got on the stage together. And I know that that at Golden One Center, that Brandon Lake and uh, Phil Wickman show is probably going to sell out. Now, isn't Hillsong that group that put out that crazy Christmas song about the shoes or something like that? Uh, I do believe so. Yeah. It's not a good song. Um, <laughs> that's another topic for another yeah. day. That's <laughs> all right. So anyhow, uh, so yeah, apparently this dude was pretending he had cancer so he could fleece people out of his, out of their money and uh, spend it on his habit. And the Christian music industry continues to generate more than $100 million a year as the record labels continue to market their artists as role models. The Christian music industry continues its religious profiteering. Each time a Christian artist misbehaves, it's a testament to the fallacy of religious theology and religious industry. That's this guy's comments. There's a, I'm okay with it. All right. And if this it's, uh, is the kind of behavior Jesus would condone, then Jesus is no friend of mine. And then I'm offended. Why did you take Sal? Sal is like one of the coolest people ever. Because you get views. Because yeah, that's exactly right. That's it. They knew, this guy knew that if he put Sal on there, people would watch it. Yeah, so that's, um, the, that's the, the truth. The, the band that um, you don't like, their uh, wonderful Christmas, Christmas song, uh, Christmas shoes uh, called New Song, not Hillsong. Oh, okay. Hillsong is a worship band, and they got Hillsong United now, and Hillsong Kids, and all these other uh, it's like different the, worship bands. It's like yeah. the Blue Man Group. There's just uh, you know yeah. twenty different incarnations of Hillsong. Yeah, and, and again, they're very popular. A lot of people like them, and, and again, I'm not knocking people who who like uh, the the worship. So to wrap this up, because we've gone way long. Um, Patrick, what's your opinion on this video real quick? Well, I mean, the opinion is, I mean, people mess up. 
people do things that are that are offensive, but I mean, <clears throat> only one thing in this video really raised an eyebrow for me was the pedophilia and things like that. That that's what struck me as as funny to this. So I mean, yeah, we screw up. We're human, and um, honestly, this guy really just made a point for Christians as to uh, what we are and who we are. We're human. What do you think about uh, his comments on the industry? I think he's right. I, I mean, I think he's 100% right. I think the industry is nothing more, as being in the industry, I think it's nothing more than a, a money-making machine. Now, I'm excluding, uh, I'm excluding some of our friends like uh, Broadhead and Thumper Punk and, I mean, these indie label bands that... I exclude no one. Okay, well, that's on you. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, record label is a business. And um, regardless of what anyone says, corporations are not people. Um, they're run by people. The, Absolutely. Uh, so the corporation be. itself, it, it's impossible for a corporation to be Christian or non-Christian. It can only be led by character. Christians. They don't look into your character no. or what you do on the, on the backside. They don't care. If your music makes them money, that's what makes them make you. And so, and and if uh, we need to maybe change a little something on your image to, you know, sell you to uh, package you up and sell you to the crowd that we want to sell you to, then uh, so be it, right? But then to top it all off on the backside, when it comes to find out that you are who you really are in the dark, it's going to be exposed because everything in the dark comes to light. Same well, scripture. It, it's never going to change. Well, there so, is a story of, of a label getting rid of somebody who's very popular. Uh, Reach Records, I'm not going to name the artist, had an artist that was very, very popular, and uh, they parted ways. And they go, hey, we, we hope there's um, some some repentance here in the in the story, but we can't support this artist being on our label anymore because of their constantly we, we all sin but when you constantly are living in sin and doing things you shouldn't the labels have to you know and and they did and it was a lot of effort i mean i was like wow i i really like this artist uh, it's got he's got a, a hit song that's got millions of uh plays on spotify and uh they go you know um we can no longer have this person this artist on our label if we're going to call ourselves a christian label Okay. In which they do. Last quick topic on this or okay. question on this yeah. is um, now I I judge the labels by the labels that I knew back in the 80s and early 90s. Star Song, Murr, Word. Uh, they were all money first, business first. It's show business. Artists, Christianity, religion second. And I don't think any of the people that were on those labels would uh, deny that. I've talked to a few. They don't. But uh, what I have a hard time understanding, and I don't mean in a, in a bad way, I just can't wrap my head around it. I, don't, I can't understand it, um, is how someone like Brian Head Welch, who was in Corn, uh, is posting on Facebook every day about his Christian beliefs and you know all of that sort of thing, but then also goes back out and plays with Corn again, which is not a Christian band, and some of the topics they're, they're singing about are, are far from Christian. And 
is it okay in your opinion because it doesn't matter at the end of the day it only matters between brian head welch and god but in your opinion is it okay for somebody who proclaims to be a christian but goes and plays with corn i i have no problem with it but i have to trust brian that he's dealt with this with god you know i have had situations where i've seen where I'm like questioning it, but I'm like, you know, uh, Striper being one when they were out, and, and uh, there were there not. were pictures of of them with beer and all that, and again, that's between Michael Sweet and God. Yeah, and then it's between me and God if I continue to support or listen to Striper, um, or or. Uh, Brian Welch, uh, forget Brian the name, Welch. Uh, uh, love, and, love and Death. You know, I mean, there's a song out there right now that's going to be probably in my top 10 next month with uh, Nothing More and Lacey Sturm. Uh, it's a really good song. Um, she does uh, songs with secular artists. Well, but that's, and some people might, well, see, well, why is she doing that? And, and my thing is, that's between Lacey and her husband and God. On that, I don't mind. I don't. I don't mind the uh, secular thing, but uh, we're supposed to be set apart. We are supposed to be the peculiar, the ones that 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 that, that are, people question why we do what we do, and yet you got Brian out there doing these things that what he's doing, and I mean it's like I understand like like reaching the depths, but. Promoting the image that corn promotes, and I, I'm a corn fan. I like corn music. I grew up on it, <clears throat> but promoting it and playing it, and that being your source of income, you're being fed from the enemy. How can you be fed from See, the that's, enemy? And, that's and, and, so. That was going to bring me to the question I was going to ask you. Let's uh, let's say Seether, uh, the lead singer of Seether's out. And uh, hey, you get the call, Patrick Rivers. You want to come be no. the lead singer? You you don't even have to audition, no. man. We'll we'll put no. you on tour tomorrow. No. The answer is no. no. The answer is no. Here's another thing, though: is your husband and wife, and the uh, one of them becomes a Christian, and the other one's like, I, I don't want anything to do with church and God, but I I still want to be married. You know, God calls us not to be unequally yoked. What does that person do? And I think uh, God hates divorce more than being that. So, I, I, I again, you have to live out your own walk. You, but the scripture also tells you that if, if like one, if you're engaged in the marriage and, and one believes and one doesn't, then you are covered like under the man's faith. Like yeah. your spouse is covered under that. So kind of like an insurance policy. Like when it I is. when I got uh, car insurance on my car, my wife was automatically covered. I don't want to call it that because I don't think it's that that cut and dry. But like my family right now, if my family didn't believe, they are still covered under the covenant that I have with God. And though it that it is an insurance policy, that's not what I want to rely on for my family. If that makes sense. I get you. Well, I know this was supposed to be the last segment, but we got some other announcements we want to make. And so why don't we uh, cut this segment and we'll come back and uh, wrap up this show. It's been this has been a really good conversation. All right. It's the Rock Salt Newscast experience. 
What's up, everyone? This is Ryan from Reborn, and you're listening to the Rock Salt Musecast Experience with Aaron and Dave. Rock Salt Musecast Experience. Aaron, Dave, no Patrick, no Jermaine. They bailed out early. Uh, I won't say anything bad. Well, we're three hours behind them, so they yeah, yeah take a nap. They had a, yeah, dinner. Dinner. <laughs> they had dinner. dinner. So. Dinner. Um, all right. Well, it's been a eventful show. Yeah. I mean, we got to uh, Dorn from Darth Plummer. Yes. Love that dude. Oh, my gosh. He's a, he reminds me of my... Stories uh, and names he was popping up. And yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. He reminds me of my friend Vic. Yes. That I met down in Hollywood that just knew everybody and yeah. connected everybody. That's kind of what it was like talking to Dorn. He, he just saw... Yeah, well, I was talking to, you know, the Elefantes. <laughs> so that, yeah. I, I love when people do that. Aaron, I, I, this has gone so long that I'm just going to, I don't even have anything else to say. So I'm going to say happy trails. Happy trails, everybody. Jesus is a 